Yeah, I mean, Jay, you know, Jay Alderson's on. Thank you so much for coming. Um, I'm, I'm going to fire in straight away because you just mentioned, whether it's on or off camera, that, you know, you help people sort their shit out. Yep. First question is quite sort of blunt. Do people actually change? Because I find that they don't. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to start with a story, and it's one of Aesop's fables of the strong wind and the sun. And for those of you who haven't heard it, strong... The wind and the sun, they're in the air, and uh, they have an argument as to who's the strongest. And the wind's obviously saying to the sun, I'm the strongest, and the sun's going, yeah, whatever, you're not. So they wanted to prove who was the strongest, and there was a guy walking down the street, and they're like, I'll tell you what, see that guy? First one to get his cloak off wins. And the wind goes first, blows really hard. Guy pulls onto his cloak, it's not fucking moving. Blows even harder. Holds onto his cloak, not fucking moving. Gives up. Sun's turn. All the sun does is shine. Guy starts to get hot, loosens up his tie, shine. Eventually takes his cloak off. I see where you're going. People don't fucking change. If you force your opinions on people, they won't fucking change. Grip tighter. The best way that you can make someone change is by leading by example. By shining and showing them how fucking awesome that your life is by just doing the things that you do. People are very autonomous. They like to feel that they're making their own decisions, but they're manipulated by everything that they see. Man, that's, that's, that's a really, really that's great... That's kind of an introduction. Yeah, no, but that's a really... No, but that's... Yeah. You know, have you done this before? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't you run your own podcast. Not um, first radio. <laughs> that, that's a really, really... Like, I've, I've, I've spent a long time working with so many different people and I just I moan at myself for people like, why are they not learned? Why are they not listening to me? Why are they not doing this? Like, I'm setting an example. I'm you're trying you're, to the, do this you're strong-winded and that's yeah. what I say. Too strong-winded, you're right. And it's like that's a really good way to, to just pinpoint it. Just shine. Let yeah. them see what, what, what you've got. Yeah. And then it's, let, and them, it's, let them build their own. It's science. Hashtag science. Yeah. Mirror neurons. You know, everyone has that friend who's always smiling, always happy. And whenever they go in the room, you feel fucking awesome. Why do you feel awesome? Because they feel awesome. Now, how do you walk into a room and feel great? You look after your fucking self. Yeah. When you have your shit squared, financially, emotionally, physically, mentally... There's a confidence that, you know... You're in a good place. Yeah. And I always say that one should always focus on becoming an expert swimmer because there are expert swimmers and there's people that's drowning. Drowning is 90, 99% of the world's population. And what they say is when someone's drowning, what don't you do? You don't go in and help them because what happens is they drag you down, down and yeah. there'll be two deaths, not one. Oh, sure. So if you put that analogy into people are drowning in finances, people are drowning in you know, their relationship problems and that, and you try and help that person, what are they going to do? They're going to fucking drag you down because they're just trying to breathe. The only people that can actually help those people are expert swimmers, you know, lifeguards. So your focus should be on becoming an expert swimmer if your goal is to help people. And that's yeah. very much what I focus on. It's like, cool, constantly assessing, am I in a good place in all of these areas? And it's, no one's perfect, but if you have that constant assessment, you can make those little tweaks and changes. Unfortunately, people don't. They wait until it's too late or until it's broken before they decide to fix it. And it comes back to a quote, second quote today, is an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. It's like when people get given medication from a doctor and they say, take the whole lot of these for the next 10 days. 
they tend to only take four days worth until they start to feel better and they're like, I don't need that anymore. Yeah, you've got to finish the... Yeah. the and it's very cycle. much like people getting in shape. They're like, cool, I'm in shape now. I don't need to train as much. I'm like, you, you forget the point of this. Mm-hmm. This isn't a thing that you get to a destination. It's a thing that you take with you the rest of your life. Self-development. You know, you're not going to read all the books and go, yeah, job done now. Yeah. You know, it's, some, yeah, it's yeah. something that you constantly pursue till the day that you die. Yeah. And I wish people had more of this kind of, and I think it's Simon Sinek that had this with infinite games. He's brilliant, Simon yeah. Sinek. Yeah, and it's, and it's having these things, and it's so important to have in life those kind of short and long-term goals because when you have a date in mind for a certain thing, the game changes. You know, when I have a date in mind for, say, endurance events, competitions... You've got a target there, yeah. You've got a goal you know, in mind. Yeah, yeah. And, it's, and it's fucking awesome because you're like, I really need to be at my best or do my best at that particular date. But if you're just focused on jumping from day to day, from goal to goal, you're going to get these peaks and troughs of motivation, depression, motivation, depression, mm-hmm. because it's like climbing up a mountain, seeing the view, and then being really pissed off because you've got to walk back down again. But life's about always climbing up those mountains, looking for where the next one is. And then as you're walking down, being fucking excited for the next adventure. And for me, that's always what I'm focused on is what's next. And this isn't about you know, not enjoying the shit that you have, not being fulfilled. It's just understanding that us as humans are always seeking progress. And that's progress in many different places. And it's very hard to juggle so many things because... I have a very simple measurement and it's called my meltdown management scale. And I created it after having a fucking meltdown. (laughs) And uh, it's four simple things which you just rate yourself one to five a day. And everyone can do it in three minutes. Health, wealth, productivity and connectivity. So health, physical, mental health, wealth, money in the bank, social wealth as well. There's no point in having lots of money in the bank if you've got no one to share it with. Um, Connectivity, speaking to humans off social media in real life and uh, productivity, ticking the boxes and getting stuff done. And the interesting thing about these is when you are, when you tend to be quite kind of high in the wealth and productivity, you tend to be really low or lower in either the health, um, the connectivity or both. And if I had done this before I had a meltdown, I would have seen health, physical, five, mental, two, Wealth, five, connectivity, uh, couldn't even put a one on there, productivity, five. That's very true. I, I, I'm even re- relating to that now. My, my only sort of caveat to that is, you know, in my lifestyle, there's certain things that matter and, and it's all the things you just mentioned, but it's very hard to get all of them peaking. Like yep. it, it, at, at any point in time, you know, your family are never super healthy. You've never always got the money in the bank. You're never super happy. You're, you know, they I normally say if, if you've got two or three that's really working, that really works for me. So if my job is great, but I don't have much money, or if I'm doing this, but I'm happy socially, like how do you, how do you maximize those? It's interesting because there's this, there's this old thing called four burners theory. And the visualization of it four. is four burners. Yeah. Four burners, okay. So the visualization of it is, imagine a gas hob. You've got these four burners going. Uh, in order to, and you've got one that's health, one that's family, one that's friends, and finance. Yeah, just say finance. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if it's finance, but go with us on this. In order, and they say in order to be successful, you have to turn one of them off. In order to be super successful, you need to turn two of them off. Which ones are you turning off? And most people for that is going to be relationships or you know, uh, and friends because they're focused on the money 
and um, I'll have to look it up again. But it's asking, you know, it's one of those interesting thought experiments because for me, it's, you know, life's about making certain sacrifices and having non-negotiables of, in, in what you will and won't do in order to get that balance. Yeah. So for me, I, you've got wife, two kids. So my non-negotiables are, I'm not going to be working in the evenings because I want to spend time with the kids. I don't want to work weekends. And it has to be fucking amazing or paying me lots of money yeah. if you're going to take my Saturday away from me with my kids. So it's a very simple process that I'm allowed, you know, I'm able then to continue with what it is that I'm doing with my life, set those non-negotiables and still have the balance aspect of the things that I give a... Yeah. You know, we were talking about this yesterday, we, you know, as much, as much as people want to, you can't be in the gym every day, look amazing and then be out every night. It's just, it's just, you just can't, or be an athlete or be something. There's got to be sacrifices that come. And I, I like the idea... In, certainly in my lifestyle the sacrifices change sometimes so it's like yep. well, okay I've got to sacrifice my health a little bit now because I'm working really hard or I've yep. got to sacrifice relationships or going out because I'm focused on the gym so it's really um, it's definitely we were, we were talking about that weren't we yesterday yeah. yeah I think it depends how much you prioritise things as well like you can obviously put a priority on health mental or physical but I, I'd say the mental health is the one that's kind of a variable right because you can't always control it as much as you do think I thought I can be in a really good place for like quite a long time and then something can come up. It's typically, and everyone's got their own things, right? It could be whatever it is for everybody. Mine typically would be a relationship. And then my mental health is sort of, so that's something I find hard to control. I find the others are kind of easy to control outside of picking a really good friend group, you know, like you're that mean of the five people closest to you. So it's actually, especially for guys, I think as you get older, it's actually really hard to find like really, really, we've been lucky, right? We've been lucky to find good friends. But I think, yeah, they're, they're all, they've all got different priorities on them. Um, but what you were saying earlier, you know, about like when you find your best, when you do your best sort of inner work is when you're in that kind of flow state. I was reading that Einstein, he would, as he would go to bed, he'd have a, a cup and a, he'd put, a, you know, a coin in there and he'd hold them. And as he fell asleep, it would wake him up. So he'd get back into that state of being able to remember and being able to think clearly. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's pretty good, right? But yeah, so so in terms of like those those four, they all seem to be around the same thing. That You've got the burner, burner thing that you said, you've got the, the other thing before, but it's pretty much community, right, or, or people, physical and mental health, wealth. And what would the fourth one be? Yeah, productivity and connectivity. I mean, I created um, last year my transformation py uh, pyramid, and it's a pyramid of priorities. So the first one is mental, second one is physical, next one's social and self. So, so mental is the most the priority Mental one. is the yeah. most important. Transformation okay. starts from the neck up. You know, if this isn't right, nothing else. Because it was, right. yes, it's yeah. what get the gears going. Here's the thing. Yeah. Like, if you haven't got that bottom layer, imagine it's a pyramid. If you haven't yeah. got that bottom layer, it doesn't yeah. matter how physically great you feel. Agree. You know, you've, you've seen athletes, you've seen body, you've seen people yeah. in who are exceptional physical that have massive mental health problems. Yeah. Right. Okay. And also, at the same time, you know, from, so physical is, mental is making sure that you build a strong mind. Physical, making sure you build a strong body. Social is making sure that you build a strong support network and then self is building a strong purpose. Mm. Why the fuck are you doing all this? And it's a bit like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yeah. You know, it's food, shelter, warmth. Um, once that's sorted, then you've got everything else and then it becomes self-actualization. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people need to... And, you know, that, that food, warmth and shelter is, is the drowning element. And that's why most people aren't thinking about the things that are actually going to get them to out of their drowning yeah. because you need to get out of the drowning in order to have time to think about that, which is why it's so difficult because you need to be thinking about that first 
Yeah. Whilst you're trying you're to in fucking that, swim. Because yeah. when you're in that fight or flight mode, you don't want to be thinking clearly. You know, there's whatever it is, you're addicted to the dopamine eventually and that sucks everybody in. But when you're in that like reverberating of like sort of not very good mental health, it's so hard to come above yeah, and you, think, even if you were above, and the longer you're there, the harder it is to pull yourself out. So, yeah. so what would your like advice be to like pull yourself out of those? Another quote, you can't see your reflection in boiling water. Right. So you need to allow it to simmer and calm oh, down. This is a three-day creative break. Okay. Yeah, uh, and it's, it's really, really hard because it's like, I would say most things in life are counterintuitive. They are. Mm, so true. You know, when, whenever you have back pain or when you have shoulder pain or anything thing like that, physical, you want to rest it. But you should work that muscle through yeah. range of movement. And the reason being is a rested muscle doesn't improve or strengthen but your body's telling you to not. So a lot of people who have a shoulder injury, they don't go to the gym, they don't train because they, their body's telling them. And they all say, listen to your body. And it's like, sometimes you just need to start to shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, listen to your body, shut the fuck up. And it's the same kind of thing when you've got so much work to do, the common sense thought process is to work more. Mm. And it's like, well, if you work more, you can't figure shit out. And for me, I, and I always laugh this and tell people this, I used to be on my social media doing content five years ago and saying, if you just sleep two hours less a night, you'll get an extra month a year to get shit done. Yeah. And I always look at it and laugh and go, what good is being awake an extra month when you're fucking exhausted? Yeah. yeah. This is what's really changed for me. Honestly, probably in the last couple of months. And I wanted to ask you, which you've kind of answered, what, what would you put at the top of being most important? Because everyone says, right, okay, I'd love to be physically fit, I'd love to have money, I'd love to have all these things. And you just, you said, look, the most important thing actually is mental health first. And for me, the sleep thing, I used to, I, you know, I used to say it to you when you first started in the film industry, I used to say, Jay, like, you've got to work really hard, you've got to have no sleep, you've got to do this, like that. And over the last couple of months, I've started listening to podcasts and learning all about sleep and realizing that actually you need, you need sleep. Yep, you know, the, 100%. The people that, the people that they, they compared like Margaret Thatcher and people that died like really early or had Alzheimer's disease and they traced oh, that to sleep. A, they, yeah, okay. traced that to a lack of sleep because they only have four or five hours a night. And now, you know, there's a there's a counterintuitive thing where you're supposed to have between somewhere between seven and nine hours. And if you have less, it's just shit for you. And if you have more, it's not really it's not really intuitive. It's not it doesn't really have a have a more benefit. Same as coffee. Um how, how has that changed for you with the sleep? Because like I said, oh, it's, it's changed immediately for me. I'm yeah, like, do you know what? 100%. Nothing takes out of it. Yeah, and for 100%. me, sleep is number one there. Almost, almost before anything else. It's, it's without a doubt probably the most important factor that anybody can think of. Yeah. Now, a lot of people say to me, oh, how do I change my life? I'm like, right, firstly, I understand that common sense isn't common practice. And everything I'm going to say to you now, you're going to turn around and go, I know. But knowing and not doing is the same as not knowing. Sleep. Get plenty of fluids. Mm. Okay, Hydrate. Eat. Don't eat like a bell end. Okay. <laughs> I don't want you going like all these fucking fad diets and you know this, that, and that. Just, uh, S- if I, if I put it in front of you, are you eating like a twat? Yes or no? People, most people know if they're eating like a twat or not. Um, eat sensibly. Get plenty of sleep. Get a sweat on. Yeah. Okay. Write down what's in your head. I think Einstein said your head is for, um, for thinking, not for remembering. 
So it's like keeping a journal. Yeah, everything. Yeah, like journal. everything goes in notes. Because yeah, my, real nice my, words. The brain's, really nice. the brain's amazing, but also shit. Yeah. I still, I can still sing Silent Night in German because we learned it when I was eight. Yeah. yeah, last week I couldn't find where my fucking keys were. Yeah. So I don't trust this thing up yeah. here. I make sure that if there's anything that needs remembering, it goes in the right place. There's an amazing science to that. We went to a, an event in Cannes about, and that, sorry to interrupt, but it's just throwing it in there. It was a guy that, it was, a, it was like a neuroscientist, but in music. And he said that music is the only thing that like Alzheimer's patients or people that lose their memory don't forget. You'll always remember a song from a moment or in time or back to your childhood, but you will lose your keys last week. And you just said like, you remember the lyrics for a song like God knows how many years ago. Yeah, you yeah. relate it to it. Like, it's crazy yeah. how your brain can still remember that. We're play, just playing tricks on you in a, in a weird yeah, way. Yeah, and, and I say to people with a lot of things, it's it sounds and it smells as well. You know, for me, and um, we probably all know, like if you've got loved ones or a family or friends, their house has a certain smell. And if, let's just say, for example, you have a you know, parent's house that you've gone back to every so often, it has a certain smell and, it, and it, you regress back to that child. Mm-hmm. And that's the power that smell has on yeah. things. Like for me, I, what I do is I do daily stretching in the morning and I put on um, one of those, what do they call those little odorizer things where, you know, plug in things that make the okay. little smoke. Oh, yeah. yeah. They're cool now. Yeah. I put lavender in there. So whenever I'm stretching, and for me in the morning, I get up about half past four. Wow. And I stretch for about 30 minutes and I put the lavender on. And whenever I get stressed, because that 4.30 is the least stressed that I am for the day. Kids are in bed, which is magical, which is why I get up at half four. That's nothing to do with hustling and getting up early. It's like, no, no. If I don't get up in that, that time, I can't get everything that I need to get done before I go to work. And the second question people ask me, well, what time do you go to bed? I go to bed at 9 p.m. So I still get my seven hours. For me, that's the sweet spot yeah. um, for yeah. sleep. But whenever I'm stressed, all I need to do is smell lavender and I chill the fuck out. Oh. And it's just this Pavlovian conditioning, they call it. So these experiment they did with Pavlov's dog is what they did was they twanged, I think, a one of those tuning forks by a dog, and then they fed him a treat. And then they did this for months. Yeah, and then what they did it. is then they twanged the fork, and then the dog starts to salivate. Salivate, yeah. Hence, yeah. Pa- yeah, this, it was scientists called Pavlos, Pavlov's dog. I've seen this, yeah. And they do it in monkeys as well, right? Yeah. Yeah, and, and they've done something where they they can do it in monkeys and then the next generation, which haven't been taught it, will still... Yeah, and they did it with kids. It's epigenetics, yeah. yeah. And they did it with kids as well. They've crazy. done it with mice. You know, they put mice through a maze and they, they give them an electric shock if they go the wrong way. Yeah. And then the parents, when they, they're the parents, when they have baby mice, the mice can go through the maze the correct way. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's fascinating because it works both ways. It works in a positive way in the fact that you, there's certain things that you can kind of hack with your habits. So if you know that you have a routine that makes you feel awesome, maybe add some sense in there. Maybe add a song in there. You know, if you, like for me, if you're, if you're stretching, it doesn't need to be the, the smell of lavender. It could be a playlist that you have on. Yeah. And a stress reduction playlist is game-changing because, if you know, for me, if I get stressed... I either go out for a run, walk, I, I go to places that I know relax me. But at the same time, the opposite effect is that the same kind of Pavlovian condition happens with things like anxiety, mm-hmm. with, with fears and frustrations. Yeah. And without you facing those things, you'll never solve them. Like a lot of people have social anxiety. 
they really hate going into places where they have to speak to strangers, where they feel like people are looking at them. And they'll have that for the rest of their life because they avoid the confrontation of that happening because they're already worried about it. Okay. And what's interesting about it is actually they've now built up their fear of the, of the fear of the thing instead of the thing itself. And the way that you overcome something like that is exposing yourself. You either avoid something or expose yourself. And there's this kind of thought process, which uh, have you ever heard of Viktor Frankl, uh, who wrote Man's Search for Me, Man's Search for Me, uh, Man's Search for Meaning? He was um, a Holocaust survivor. He spent three years in Auschwitz. And it's amazing that he, I've forgotten what he's called, it's called Paradoxical Intention. And, and what it, and it's a long word, and I try and go, that's too long for, for me to understand <laughs> that, not anybody that. else. And it's about imagining yourself in that position, experiencing the thing that you're afraid of. A lot of people are scared of public speaking. Apparently it's as a fear that's up there compared to drowning or being set on fire, apparently. But it's not a fear of public speaking that people are afraid of. It's the fear of being judged, people staring at them, and forgetting their lines or words. And what paradoxical intention is, is... What you need to do is put yourself in a situation where you are doing that and you experience that, that you lose your words, that people look at you, and then you find out that you're okay afterwards. <laughs> you know, and what that does is it overcomes that fear because that fear is about something that has yet to happen. So do you remember the game Golden Axe? Yeah. Do you remember the game yeah. Streets of Rage? On Sega Mega Drive, wasn't it? Yeah. That's the one. And the yeah. thing about Sega Mega Drives is that Unlike the, this day and age, and I never thought I'd be this person that said back in my day, but 30, 38 <laughs> this year, so back in my day, they didn't have saves, we didn't have the internet plugged into our computers. So when you went on a, a mission or a journey and you only had one life left, it gets a bit fucking panicky in the game. And you know when you get to that big boss, the music changes and you can't see him yet. That's anxiety. And that's the best way for me to explain it is because anxiety is about a fear or worry about something that has yet to happen. And just understanding that should enable you to find different ways to help overcome those things. And a lot of it is by exposing yourself, by going, I'm worried about something that is yet to happen. Why don't we allow ourselves for it to happen? I know you previously had a guest here um, Ash and what he was speaking about was in his mind envisioning the worst happening so if it does you'll be okay, it's okay yeah. and this is a great thing to do because you worry about something happening and then if you can visualise well if that happens we'll be fine is that so, oh, oh sorry sorry so if, 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 if we put this into relationships right if you're worried about you know your girlfriend boyfriend cheating um, would you imagine them cheating for example, I know this is like, because I see anxiety like, obviously it's a very, there's many different dimensions of anxiety. There's the, the completely uncontrollable type, right? Where my cousin, for example, she'll end up in hospital because she's hyperventilating. She doesn't know what it is. I know she's moving too quick. She's too fixated on the future. Now that's an uncontrollable, non-specific type of anxiety. Then you have the specific type, which everyone sort of deals with in their life, which is like, is this person cheating? Is the game there? And that's like a, in my opinion, that's like a build-up of adrenaline in the adrenal glands and cortisol. And da -da. So that, in that scenario, would you say, okay, I'm going to picture this person cheating. I've seen the worst that's going to happen. Oh, it's not that bad. Okay, everything's okay. Or would it be different? It's, it's, 
Firstly, that's a great question because it just let me think, hmm. And the answer is no. And the reason for that is if me as an individual, if me as an individual is thinking that, it's got nothing to do with that person because we're looking, we're looking at two different things. We're looking at an outcome personally, which we can control. And now we're looking at an outcome based on somebody else. Yeah. Now, the thing about it, it's got nothing to do with them and everything to do with us. Right. So sure. what, I would be th- what I would be asking and thinking of is, firstly, why would you be envisioning that happening in the first place? And there's something called root cause analysis, and this is what I love to do with somebody. If someone says to me, right, I'm worried that my partner's going to cheat on me. Why? Because I wouldn't want them to do that. Why? because it would make me really sad. Why would it make you sad? Because I really like that person. Why do you really like that person? But is that person worrying about those things because they're displaying those types of actions and... What we're trying uh, to do is we're trying to get down... Yeah, what we're trying to do is we're, we're trying to get down to the root cause of that issue. You know, I spoke to a lady before and she was really struggling to lose 10 pounds. I was like, why? She goes, because I can't follow a diet. Why? I think I asked her 15 whys. And at the end of the 15th why, it was because her husband left her three years ago right. and she's completely lost her confidence. That's the vulnerability. So it was nothing to do with the It's got nothing person. to do with... Right. Yeah. Well, at first, the question yeah. presented to me was, I'm struggling to stick to a diet. Which then, I could go, okay, cool, let's identify the diet. We could have spent three months trying to find the perfect diet. Mm. And what we're trying to do is solve the problem without understanding sorry give a solution without understanding the problem right and the thing this is what people do all the time it's like cool I've lost weight I found the right diet for me and then they're back to square one and they should exercise it now so in in the way like you know everyone says anger is not a real emotion there's always a a deeper emotion underneath it 100% the same with this exactly what you said earlier things aren't always intuitively what you think there's something you keep going why 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 and you're going to get and it's not going to be the same as what you yeah. She's cheating. It's, it's we not. should do it now. We should be like, <laughs> no, get, get, get five whys in you because it'd be like, why do you think that, your girlfriend's going to cheat? That personally it. isn't nothing to do with that person cheating. That is either you've had it done to you in the past, which destroyed you. And another quote is, love is giving someone the power to destroy you and trusting that they don't. Yeah. So when they do destroy you, what happens is you build up these walls. Yeah. And this is why you never find love again because yeah. you will not let down that wall because barriers, it's, it's yeah. too painful to go through that again. Yeah. But guess fucking what? The only way that you can find love again Good is by once again allowing that person to run the risk of completely destroying your life again. Yeah. So it's a, you know, it's a, and this is why people never find love again. And once again, they're coming to me with that question, but. We haven't got down to the root cause of it. A lot of people say, oh, you know, worry about that person cheating. And a lot of it is a fear of abandonment or fear of having a knock in their self-confidence. Yeah. Imagine finding the dream partner and finding out that they'd cheated on you and, real- and, and then realising that actually it had nothing to do with you whatsoever and everything to do with them. Yeah. Yet, what happens in a relationship, it's, a lot of the time it comes down to what did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? Mm. Sometimes you did nothing wrong whatsoever and it was everything to do with the insecurities and fears of that individual. Yeah. But you haven't sat them down and asked them five whys as to why they've done do it. Do you agree yeah. with um, the fact that, because that, he asked about the relationships and that, that for me is the only thing 
that I will still let my guard down. Okay, fine. If, I get, yeah. if I get into a car accident tomorrow because I didn't wear a seatbelt, I'm, I'm always going to wear a seatbelt for the rest of my life. There's certain things you do in life where you just go, right, okay, I'm never making that mistake again. However, when it comes to love and relationships, it's the only thing I go, do you know what? If I've been cheated on before, if I've done something wrong before or whatever, I, if I'm meeting this new person, I'm going to allow them to step into my space. I'm going to trust them. I'm going to do all these things because... Like you said, it's not always about them. It's not always about you. It's about time and situations, all these different things. Is that would, that, would you agree that's the only thing you should really yeah, I mean, like, let your guard down and kind of let, let it always, not flourish, but let it always like... 100%. And I think communication is so important. Yeah. With any kind of relationship, it is open communication and feedback with things. And a guy that, you know, a lot of this is stemmed from reading. Uh, a guy that's really helped me with relationships is a guy called Orlando Baton. And... You know, he wrote this New York Times post called Why You Will Marry the Wrong Person. And, <laughs> and the reason being is, you know, you know, and it's a great thing to read. He says that, you know, when we meet somebody, we've yet to really let them know who we really are. Mm. And what's really interesting is that most people have a public self and a personal self. And all they've done is shown a person the, their public self. How... Mm how Instagram imagines them. Mm. And they're very reluctant to let people in on their own personal self because that means showing them that they're not perfect. That means showing them that they have flaws, that they have vulnerabilities, that they have fears. And one of the things that happens is people spend so much time masking those things and hiding those things from that individual that that is the sole reason that the, the relationship didn't work and they break up. So it's actually, and this is what Alain de Botton says, it's better to meet someone and go, in which way are you flawed? So you can find out all the things that they're that's, fucked up from. That's what yeah, I strongly believe in now, is like having that communication at the start of a relationship. Because it's, it's so easy to sit down with someone. It's like a meeting. If you have a business meeting, you go in and you say, right, are we going to work together or not? You, you get this, you get this. Yeah. 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 If you go in and say, right, okay, this is what I do. This is my type of job. I'm going to be traveling. I'm going to be doing this. And they do the same thing. For me... I'm going to try and adopt this method going into yeah. the next relationship and try and just go, actually, have those conversations at the beginning because timing is key, right? You oh, have yeah. those conversations two years down the line when you've got a kid or when you're married or when you're arguing, it's too late. But do, do you find those like those flaws within, you know, everybody, like men, for example, are, are feeling sort of trapped within their relationships because they're allowing manipulation upon themselves. So then they're losing their sort of masculinity, their masculine frame, and then, then they're probably not being respected by their partners the same. So what would you suggest to, to reinstill in, you know, people's masculinity? It's really interesting. Or men's masculinity. Yeah, it's really interesting. Three emotional men here. Just, <laughs> so try not to make us cry, right? I, I, th- I think there, there's so many things here. So James is just thinking, how the hell can I get this guy to help me with all my relationship problems? James thinks the same. I, I'll try and break, break down some, some concepts. Firstly, what you said about uh, a relationship. I, I shared a post last week on my um, newsletter about boiling a frog and what the story is. I saw this. Oh, yeah. I did see this, it's cool. yeah. And if you put a, f- you know, if you f- and it's bullshit, okay? If, if you put a frog in and it boiled up, it would jump out, but go with me. If you put a frog in boiling water, it will jump out. If you put it in cold water and you slowly increase the temperature, it'll boil and it'll kill the frog. And what it talks about is that if we walked into a relationship and we knew everything about that person, we knew that they're a fucking head case, we'd have left ages ago. But if that person wasn't a head case when we got with them mm. and then the love created the blindness yeah. and then all of a sudden they got a little bit more fucked up oh. it's very hard for us to let go because we're naturally invested Bested, in that thing yeah. Yeah. and you know 
we're very kind of tribalistic. We stay with people, we support mm. people, and we're willing to allow all of that pain and suffering because for some reason we're afraid of starting afresh and new. And it's so important to understand that 20-year-old Jamie's thoughts about relationships is going to be very different to 30-year-old Jamie and 40-year-old Jamie and 50-year-old Jamie. So it's also important to then have a, a reassessment. Now, I've been my, with my wife since I was 13. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. So I've been with my wife since I was 13 and someone asked her. That's incredible. And they said, how have you stayed with, with, with Jay for 25 years? And she said, it's because I've been with six men. And I was like... Have you? And she was referring to me. And she goes, when I got with Jay, he was a teenager. And then he left and he became a soldier. And then he left the army and then became a personal trainer. And then he left there and became uh, an entrepreneur. Then he left that and then he became this and then that. And what she's talking about is the, the, the evolution and growth of me as an individual going from a 13-year-old kind of scared teenager who was, you know, didn't have a fucking clue to where I am now. That's so smart for your missus to go through those steps yeah. and, and stages of, you know, the, the different yeah. characteristics and the personality it, you've... That's yeah, 100%. Yeah. But it's not just me that's evolved, it's... But that's supportive. It's, it's, it's her, her that's evolved and changed. Yeah. And, and she's changed for the better with that. She's changed with us. Whereas a lot of relationships, that doesn't always happen. And you can't always expect that to happen because... As though you evolve over 20 years, 30 years, your likes and interests change and so does theirs. And this is why communication is so important. And this is why I think, and it's probably the hardest thing to do, to sit down and have a proper conversation mm -hmm. and go, you know, we've changed as people. How do we navigate this? Which, if you add kids and marriage and all the other things into Together. the equation... It's not an, a simple answer. There are very strong, complex things. Add into the equation things like, you know, separation, assets. You know, it's not an easy decision Change to allow. Change of time, economy, introduction of social media, freedom. Just, yeah. yeah. But so, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So what's the answer? And it's, the answer is it's painful. Yeah. It is. Sure. There, there's, a, there's a few areas, though, that you went into there, right, that are, like, all similar, but they're all on, like, different levels. So you mentioned, like, the boiling frog, right? So put a frog in boiling water, it won't jump out. You simmer the water. I didn't realise that's in correlation to seeing a person and how they change over time, right? Because if you see two people on a date and they're out together, you can see they're on a first date because they're just not being themselves. It's actually, when you came in here, you were very much yourself. You're like, fuck, you know. You're, and I've, as I've got older, I've learned it's always the best way to be is just completely yourself, right? It sounds cliche, but you've learned it to be true. And that experience thing is better than reading something when you experience that. And then the other thing you said, I can't remember the name of the guy, but it was a, as in, not as it, there was a, there was something you said just before the boiling frog, a guy's name. Uh, Alanda Baton about in what way are you flawed? Mm. Or yeah. Yeah, what's the conclusion then with that? With the, I don't think we got to the conclusion of the Orlando Baton thing. Oh, do you know what? Like, I hate to uh, bastardise things. So let's see if I can find. Um, okay. Because I, I, I love this so much. I share, I share it on my anniversary and Anna's like, yeah, love you too. <laughs> <laughs> All of us are crazy in very particular ways. We're distinctly 
neurotic, unbalanced and immature, but don't quite know the details because no one ever encourages us too hard to find them out. An urgent primary task of any lover is therefore to get a handle on the specific ways in which they are mad. They have to get up to speed with their individual neuroses. Uh, They have to grasp where these have come from, what they make them do, and most importantly, what sort of people either provoke or assuade them. I think that is a good partnership is not so much one between two healthy people. There aren't many of these on the planet. It's one between two demented people who have had the skill or luck to find a non-threatening conscious accommodation between their relative insanities. Wow. Wow. (laughs) And it's such an important thing to understand that you know one of the things about finding uh the perfect partner is they're not perfect and neither are you and if you're not willing to let people in on your craziness you're never going to find that person but on that but based on that you could anyone could be with anyone right because everyone's crazy so do you believe that anyone could be of anyone and like do you believe that like, let's say you're very scared about something and you meet this person that is all your fears, but by being together, you're, you know, laws of attraction or whatever it is, or, you know, you're being pulled together because a lot of therapists would say you're being pulled together so that this person can help you because you're going to then face all your worst fears and fix them rather than being with somebody that doesn't give you any fears at all and the life feels like it could be good and could be easy, but does that person not really exist? So what, what's your sort of thoughts on that? Do you... There's a thing called attachment theory. Oh, attached to the book. Um, I'm that... not too sure on that. Um, but... Anxious attachment or avoidant yes. attachment. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of that, at the end of the day, it stems down to your upbringing. Mm. And that's where it locks in. You know, I have friends who their partners text them every day. Every they, hour. Every hour. That they need stuff. They want to check where they are. Yeah. And I, <laughs> and I look at that, and in a relationship with me, that would, that would be an instant red flag, yeah. and Driving you're crazy. gone. Yeah. yeah, yeah. However, he fucking loves it. Yeah. And the reason being is he's he loves to be cared about, needed. <laughs> That's a signal to him yeah. that he has a healthy relationship, and he loves looking after yeah. Uh, like that. He right. loves it. Okay, so for me, nightmare for him, perfect. Subjective, yeah. So it's, once again, finding in, in which way that you're flawed with attachments. You know, yeah. like for me, my mum and dad are still together. Um, there are, you know, benefits and disadvantages. Like my, you know, I haven't hugged my dad for 15 years. You know, and you think, well, my dad shows his love in different ways. Mm. So he's not very touchy-feely, huggy. But if I gave him a call at two o'clock in the morning to say that I can't get in my house, he'd be there in five minutes to let me in. So it's different ways that you understand. But the same way that... What would he do if you did hug him now? Well, I, I've actually been speaking on the last couple of podcasts and I've been making more of an effort to challenge myself to do it. Oh, wow. So yeah. it's actually a challenge. Yeah, it. yeah. It's been a challenge for me to do it. That, that's, that's, that's quite surprising because you're quite, you, you know, you're you're... Put together, if but, someone says, Jay, I think this is wrong or this is right, I think you, you, you understand but, that really well. So. But once again, it's also understanding in what way you're flawed. Yeah. So how can I give people advice if I don't take my own? Yeah. I don't understand my own flaws and things that fuck me up. Because in a way, it's worked out great because my family are very stoic. They don't deal with their problems emotionally, they deal with them logically, or they don't, you know, it's seen like, for some reason, my dad's dad's dad, it's like, 
you know, letting your emotions show is a weakness. And then, you know, what's interesting is I have the very opposite effect with my kids. I am very touchy-feely. I'm very huggy. I'm very yeah. mm-hmm. emotional with them. You know, I get them to go through their emotions, everything, which is the complete opposite that my dad or my family does. Mm-hmm. But... I don't know yet whether that's going to be a good thing. We'll see in 30 years. Do you think you'd release a, 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 like a huge level of emotion if you did hug your dad? Or, or, would, it, or would it be yeah, just like, no, I, okay, it's done? Yeah, I, I think so, yeah. Yeah, I feel like And, and it's, just, it's just a very interesting thought process mm. with, with things. Because you ask, why is that? I mean, the last time I can remember hugging him was uh, before, the day before I went to Iraq. Because I didn't know wow. if I was going to come back. So I said, and I remember just saying, Daddy, are you going to hug me because I might not be back? Mm-hmm. And it was the most awkward hug ever. <laughs> um, it's like a tough. Yeah, but you just gotta understand yeah. where these things come from, and a lot of the things, if you if you think about it, they all stem from just culturally the way things were in like the fifties and forties and everything. And everything that my dad has learned has learned from his dad, and everything his dad learned has this dad. And slowly but surely, things change. Yeah. You, you think when my dad was a kid, they didn't have social media; they didn't, they just knew what was around them in the area that they were. Born. Yeah. So if you think of the advancement, and it is a blessing and a curse, the advancement that we have as individuals to be able to absorb information and understand it means that we're able to understand ourselves better. But also at the same time, people are so fucking distracted that they can't understand what's going on because it's just paralysis by analysis. Yeah. That's why I think it's so hard these days because you know, you've got so much distractions, you've got so much freedom. You can be with someone for five years and then all of a sudden you can just jump on a plane if you've got enough money and just go somewhere and disappear. And I think back you know, one generation or two generations ago, certainly with our grandparents, you know, there was... wealthy to get on a plane. Huh? You had to be... Rich right, yeah, to you get couldn't on just get on a plane. There yeah. was war, there was loads of things going on and there, and there was... You know, most of them had like seven or eight children so there was a need to stay together. And I think... There's an element of that I'd love to bring back because now it's like, just rewind into your point. It's going back to finding someone that's perfect and it doesn't exist. I, I, you're not going to find yeah. a woman, you're not going to find a man that's perfect. You, they might be super attractive, but there's, there's, there's in, they're, they're imperfect. You're not going to do it. Yeah. I think everyone these days are looking for something perfect. It doesn't exist. I've never obviously been on any dating apps. Well, I have, but people have been catfishing using my profile picture. It was, yeah. it was a really interesting thing. I just sideways a few Gave years me an idea. back. Many years back, um, <laughs> my wife's friend sat my, um, my wife down and said, I've got something to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> we found Jay's been on dating sites and she looked at it and laughed her friends didn't know that I have a social media presence they didn't know they don't know anything about that she said no it's not him she goes how do you know it's like trust me (laughs) Um, but I've been with her since the age of 13 never been on a dating app I at Christmas one of Anna's cousins I was like let's have a look at this thing and I was like wow wow what the fuck is this I was like Jesus Christ it just blows my mind how much more difficult it would be these days to find that person. And it is, it's like, because there's too much choice. And I think a lot of people just, try, once again, as you said, trying to find the perfect person, the perfect thing, and, and you ain't going to find it on an app. Yeah. I know statistically, they say, well, you know, I think it's for a random percentage, out like 40% of people find their partner online. Mm. I was like, cool, that doesn't mean that they stay with them or they're with the right partner. Exactly. It right. just means that they found them online. Yeah. And with everyone with an iPhone and that in their pocket these days, it's not going to be very surprising. 
I think if you get someone that's like sixty percent, that's even like uh, you know unheard of. Like if you get if you get, if you match on that level. Um, but what, what's the like? So if you've been with someone since you're thirteen, you mentioned earlier there was like a breakdown in the middle, not not with your relationship, but with you. How comes you've got this like very good innate you know understanding of all of these re- these relationship things? How does that come to you? It's a really good question. Without going through it. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. So back in two thousand and sixteen, when I had a meltdown. Um, the reason for that was I turned around to my wife that, and said, right, we need to, we need to treat... I, I was building a new business. And I said, we need to treat this next eight months like I'm in Iraq because I need to focus all my time and effort on this. And I did. And it became very successful. I had a, probably the best year ever. And then December, I just had the worst low ever. And I was like, I've done all of these things that I said I was going to do and ticked every box. Why am I so low? It's because I didn't spend any time with my daughter, any time with my wife, any time connecting with people. I was soulless. And I thought, if this is... And I, and I got so confused. I was like, right, these are the sacrifices that you must need to make in order to become successful. You know, if I've done this in a year, imagine what 10 years are going to be. And then going through a really dark stage in that December of 2016, I decided to tell Anna I didn't love her anymore and we're done. And that I'm moving out. And what happened in Jan in 2017, I moved out. I got my own flat, lad's pad, awesome, everything in there. Sat on the floor and I've never been so empty and miserable in my life. I said, how did I go from ticking every single box I've ever wanted to do this year to now being alone by myself on this pretty nice flat but you know on the floor and I just realised in that moment it made me realise is you know what is the fucking point in succeeding with things and ticking boxes in life if you've got no one to share it with yeah. and what that allowed me on was a journey for six seven months to really understand what this relationship's about what it's for and the fact that I'd, I had found my perfect partner because when I told her that she told me to shut the fuck up she doesn't believe me her friends, her family said, you know, this is happening. She's like, no, it's not. It's not. He's going through something. Let him deal with it. Because mm. she's been with me since 13. She understands. Um, and one of the things that I was very reluctant to talk about, because I see so many people talking about relationships, all these relationship coaches, is, is also kind of interesting. A lot of these relationship coaches are, you know, approaching 40 and single. You know, it's like, mm, should you really listen to her? That. Same with therapists, a lot of yeah, them. You're like, yeah. I, I, once I've spoken to them, I've seen into their life and I'm like, hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting one. And I wouldn't talk about relationships for a long, for the last couple of years, I've started speaking more because I said to someone, I said, what do I know about relationships? I've been in the same one since 13. And then they stopped, have you ever stopped to consider that you're probably the most qualified person to talk about relationships yeah. because you've been because the same person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I oh yeah. That's, that's so true. <laughs> oh yeah. Epiphany moment. So yeah. I just started to talk about it, about, uh, talk a little bit more about it. And the videos I shared, I created a couple of videos. One of, well, three or four of them went viral, had about 30, 40 million views. Wow. And I just thought everybody knew these things because they once again were very much quotes from Jim Rohn. You know, Jim Rohn had a great quote of saying one of the problems with relationships is that people say when they get in a relationship, if you look after me, I'll look after you. And I said, that's bollocks. Because what it's about is I'll look after myself for you if you look after yourself for me. Right. You know, your self-care, wellness 
is an inside job, yeah. not the reliance on somebody else. And this is once again a problem with relationships because if you're relying on somebody else for your happiness, what happens when they're not there? Mm -hmm. that you, become, yeah. you become in need of something that you already have inside you. 100%. And that's where happiness is an inside job. When I speak to people go, I need to lose weight. Or I need to achieve that, this much money in the bank. I need to do this. Why? Because then I'll be happy or I'll have some kind of level of fulfillment there. And I say, so I'm telling you now, you'll get there and you'll probably sacrifice things and then you'll realise that's not the thing. Also, if you do get it, you get fucking used to it. Yeah. Okay? You, you suddenly yeah. buy a really nice car. It's great to drive it around for the first couple of weeks, but then it becomes your normal car. Yeah. And then the next thing that you seek is a shinier car or someone has a better car. Mm -hmm. And it's just this realisation of hedonic adaptation is that... Uh, I think it was Naval Ravikant, he said, desire is a contract that you make with yourself to be miserable until you get what you want. How do you balance that out though? Because I, I, I mean, you know, I love the idea and I've, I've, I've quoted this a couple of times and it's, it's not my quote, but I love the quote of, you know, go away for six months, be on your own, focus on, focus on one or two things and see what you can achieve. And I love that, but it's, 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 it feels like, and I've done it, it's a very lonely like state where you go, do you know what? I'm shutting out everything. There's no social life. There's no relationships. You know, you kind of, I call it, I put myself in, a, in also like a mini prison. But then, and I'm, I'm actually quite good at flipping back, but how do people, what's the balance between that, being able to be really successful, sacrifice other things, but then sort of balance it back out? Because you've, you, you seem like you've gone through that where you've gone, yeah. I'm going to put everything into this business. It's going to do really well. But then shit, I've just given up my wife. And then you've moved out and then you've realized actually she's exactly what I need. I think one of the things is realizing that yeah, most of the things which will make you happy and fulfilled in life don't cost much money. That's true, yeah. But once again, even though we know this, we still chase yeah. the status, the, the likes, the money, the views. And it, it, it's such a, a fascinating thing because I've, I've delved really deep into this because, you know, it's my birthday next week and everyone's saying, what do you want? I'm like, I've got everything. Like, I don't, like... I would rather you take us out for a nice meal or have some experience. I don't need anything. Good. Yeah, I'm like, I have no desires for, for anything Happy whatsoever. Happy birthday in advance, anyway. Thank you. Birthday friend? And, oh, is it your birthday next no, week? No, no, I just... <laughs> <laughs> I just considered you a friend already, Joey, so I just called you birthday friend. <laughs> but, um, but it's just, it's, this kind of thought process that I have is, I, I say I have everything that I need and everything else is a bonus. But I also know that I need some goals, I need some deadlines, mm. I need some things to focus on. Yeah. And also, I love what it is that I do. And I like being a beginner at things and learning new stuff. Because the reality is, is when you get to a certain level and you think you're better than people, you think you're at a certain level, you stop learning. You stop listening to other people and slowly and surely you are on a slow path to becoming that person and goes, I once did that, I once did that. And I see this on social media a lot. You know, I had a big following five, six years ago and it's increased and carried on because I've changed as an individual. I haven't rested on my laurels. I know that you need to constantly evolve and change, understand it, get the times. And it's the same with so many, so many things in your life. You need to be focusing on projects and goals and focuses um, because if you're happy and fulfilled and you don't need anything else, people say, well, you know, you're not motivated to get up in the morning and do stuff. And it's just like, well, yeah, exactly. So it's just getting that balance between, yeah, being happy and fulfilled, but still having these, these goals and tasks and mm -hmm. 
completion points because that's how we that's how we get up in the morning and, and do stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, you know, having that kind of mission of saying I, I need to leave people better when they find my stuff means that I'm constantly waking up and making more stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a never ending process. Yeah. Which I really enjoy doing so and if there's like you know i've been I, i'm gonna butcher these stats but very roughly 60 percent of men in america are single i think no i think 60 percent of men and like it's crazy statistics the number of people that aren't in a relationship um and out of everything that you've said because then we can touch on the other stuff like the material stuff which we started getting to now of all these different things would you say like there is rules whether it's a values-based system or whether it's a barriers-based system, whatever it is, um, of knowing if someone is right for you. Now, you know because you've gone through a certain amount of time to know that that person's right. How do you know if you're, like, picking the wrong person based on your childhood and all the different things that have happened? Is there any sort of metrics you've got? And I know it's complicated because there's so many, like, vortices of it, but is there a metric to say, you know, I'm in a bad, been a, in a bad relationship here, I should get out? Or I should, like... Because if we're so open and we can change ourselves so much, could you literally go with anybody that, you know, is attracted to you? Yeah, 100%. But you just got to be honest with yourself and say, is this person adding to my life or taking things from it? That would be the main, okay, that would be the main matrix. Okay. And it's the same with any kind of environment. You know, you've got to ask yourself honest questions. You know, when you're with your friend circle, you know, sometimes it can feel great to be with those friends, but then every time you're with them, you wake up with a hangover and you can't get fuck all done for three days. Yeah. It's like, cool. It doesn't mean cancel your friends. It means limit the time with them. Mm. But good, yeah. your friends are great because you can limit the time with them. If you're in a relationship, that's not really going to work. It's impossible. That's yeah. true, yeah. You can yeah, limit you can't friends. Limit. You talk about that self-care. And, and yeah. You've got to sort of find health within. And, and yeah, and, and it's like for me, and you know, if people ask me what's the secret, it's like boundaries. It's like we have similar interests, but we have totally different interests in things mm. ourselves. My wife's not reliant on me. She's got she's self-employed. She earns her own money. She does her own things, and uh, vice versa. She's not into the things that I'm into. Yeah, we have common things, but we like our own shit too. Yeah, and I think that's so important to have that. And also, she needs her time. I need my time. Yeah, we like, yeah. we enjoy each other's time, which is fucking hard when you have got two kids as well and both run um, businesses, mm. you both do different things. It's, it's literally like diaries, like when can I do this, when can I do that? What was the very first thing? So you moved into this penthouse apartment and, and you were like sort of breaking down and feeling right. Like this is fucking, you know, I've lost everything that I had. What was the very first thing you did to think, right, okay, how do I get myself back into, back on track? I realised that the year before, the thing that I was doing wrong was I was very much on social media, getting back to everyone. Every message, every email, I get back to. I'd spend 20 minutes on the phone to a random stranger, yet wouldn't spend 20 minutes speaking to my wife. So I was going through a period of growth, but also through extreme selflessness. And actually it was working for me because I was people-pleasing. I was being that person, God, you know, whenever you message Jay, he gets back to you, this guy's awesome. And this is what happens with people-pleasing because when you are doing stuff for other people... They're very appreciative. In fact, you can go, you can go places when you're doing lots of great things for other people because you become that go-to person. Because I oh, just ask Jay to do it, or just get, you know, just do that. And what happens is when you focus all of your energy and time on other people, you're not focused on yourself. Oh, so, if you un- if you look at 
selflessness and and selfishness as a kind of two, a level of two extremes on the same line they both produce success you know i was a bodybuilder so extreme selfishness means i prioritize myself my rest my food my nutri- you know my training above anybody else and guess what happens i win shows but i don't have anyone to share the trophy with yeah when you're extremely selfless you put everyone before yourself and you get a lot of success with it but then eventually you, you lose suffer. yourself yeah so with both extremes, you need to go, if you're extremely selfish, you need to start putting the needs of others first in order to balance that out and back into the middle. I'm here, extreme selflessness, and I'm like, right, you need to go and tell everyone that doesn't to fuck off. matter yeah. to fuck yeah. off. That's right. Stop getting back to emails, stop getting back to everyone's messages, deleted it, couldn't give a fuck, and just spent the time with my family and people that gave a fuck about me. That's yeah. hit me hard because I, I've, 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 I do that. I Selfish. And it's, no. I've just, it's too much. <laughs> but this is I have balance. no email. This is balance, <laughs> yeah. okay? It's, it's not about you're, being perfect. You're the selfishness and I'm the other way. Yeah, but no, I have, I have a, like, I have, I have anxiety with, with emails and I can't let it go to a second page. So I have to reply to those emails. And when I have that freedom of like, there's no emails and I get a lot of emails, trust me, but it feels so like, okay, I've got back to everyone and I wish what you just said, I wish I could go, do you know what? No. I yeah. have to get back so, to you. Is it just what you said? Selflessness then, but to shorten it, like you were saying, you like to shorten things. Selflessness leads to loss of self. Yeah. Yeah, because you lose yeah, yourself. Basically, yeah. That's it. Because I found as well, not to take it back to relationships, but the times that I've completely lost myself, I love knowing who I am, feeling grounded, making the right choices, or making a decision even if it's the wrong one. The times that I lose myself is when I'm just giving everything to that, to yeah, that person. person. Yeah. yeah. Dangerous in the dosage, though. You can't serve others from an empty vessel. And the more that you serve others, the emptier you get. Yeah. So if you want to be fulfilled, you need to you know, fill up your own cup. Yeah. And that comes from prioritizing your own health, wellness. But then once again, if you're doing that too much, you come down into mm-hmm. being selfish and only caring about yourself and not other people. Yeah. The, the, the trick is, and this is where balance comes from, it's not about being perfect and in the middle. It's about knowing which end you're at so you can balance it back out. Yeah, there's always going to be times where you're going to have to tell people to fuck off and get stuff done. At the same time, there's always going to be times where you need to put the needs of others before people. It's just not yeah. staying there too long, right? Yeah, it's, it's not. Those five yeah. points you talked yeah. about. Yeah, the and, yeah. and, and yeah. that is the balance aspect because it's great to, it's amazing when you prioritize your own shit. Like say six months monk mode, it's amazing how much shit you get done. Yeah. But once it's again, the deeper into you. that, the lonelier you yeah. get because yeah. once again, it's all very well having chiseled abs and a successful career when you've got no one to share it with. Yeah. So I, I, I want to ask, if you don't mind, if you don't mind answer, answering, because look, you, you know, you look in great shape. You, you've obviously got, I like to use the word mental fitness, not mental health, but your, your mental health, your mental fitness seems really great. Got all yourself together. When Jay breaks, if he does break, what, what, what do you do? Like, I'll, for me, it's like, okay, if I break, I won't go to the gym and I'll eat shit food. Like, and then I go, okay, I've, I've done that one day. The next day, I have to make sure I work harder and I won't eat shit food. Is, is there a moment that you do break? Yeah, uh, so firstly, pity parties are always good. Pity okay. parties. Pity party. So <laughs> if, you, if you're feeling a bit sorry for yourself, have a bit of a pity party. What do you mean by a pity party? Just like a little... Like for me, maybe, yeah. it's like kids out, wife out, bottle of wine nice book oh, with tunes yourself? on feeling sorry okay, for myself interesting. Yeah, little okay. pity party and it's like have that don't dwell on it it's like get that, get that out of the way get that's okay. okay and then slap yourself in the face and let's fucking go okay so ha- 
it's okay to feel sorry for yourself for a little bit, just not all the fucking it's not time. All the time. Yeah. So I call it. I give it a name. It's it's Jay's pity party. Okay. <laughs> you say that to my wife, and I was like, I need a pity party. So, um, so do you dress up as well? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Smoking jacket. <laughs> But I think it's yeah. I think it's important though. It really yeah, is. Okay. Uh, at the same time, once again, it comes back to saying life's very counterintuitive. If I'm in a bad place, I ask myself the question: How much sleep am I getting? What's my food like? Okay. How much time am I spending with family and friends? It's this health, wealth, productivity, connectivity. It's a simple score. But if I'm scoring low on things for multiple days in a row, I know that that needs to become more of a priority. Right. And once again, it's this common senses and common practice. A lot of people want a solution without fixing the simple things. Because if you get eight hours sleep, if you drink plenty of water, if you go for a run you know, three or four times a week, lift some fucking weights, yeah. write down your thoughts, be amazed. Honestly, do that for a month and tell me how you feel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Do you not feel a million percent better? And how does, because um, I've been doing this a lot recently and I, I love it and I know you do it. How does the cold therapy come into that? I fucking love it. Fuck it, mate. It's the best. Isn't it? Yeah. It yeah. is a game. It's like an absolute game changer. A hundred percent. And like, I, I, I delve really deep. I've, I've delved really deep into it because... I've seen your videos of you saying, I'm up at four, you're, you're before four or five o'clock in the morning and you're doing that cold plunge straight away. Yeah, a hundred percent. And people say, oh, what's the benefits? And I'm, firstly, my response is always, there's two types of people, those who want to know the benefits before doing something and those who do something to see the benefit. Yeah. And I'm like, well, you know, I could tell you, but go and do, do it. Go and feel it. it. Yeah, go and do it for 30 days and you're not going to enjoy the first it's 10 not, or 15. Uh, yeah, good experience. In, in fact, it's I've, horrible. I'm three years into my journey. I still fucking hate it. Even yeah. today... It's like, stop being a fucking pussy and get the yeah. fuck in there. And for me, it's not the physiological benefits which there are, it's the psychological. Mm. I always say discipline is a muscle that needs to be trained. And one of the reasons that people procrastinate and don't do things is because they're waiting for a good feeling in order to do it. They're waiting to be motivated to do stuff. That dopamine hit, yeah. And motivation is doing things when you feel like doing it. If you rely on motivation to get stuff done, you ain't going to get fuck all done. Mm. Discipline is doing things regardless of how you feel. Now, the difference between discipline and motivation is that motivation, you get the feeling before you do stuff, and discipline, you get the feeling once you've done stuff. That's great. That's a really good... uh... So for me, it's understanding that I've yet to meet anyone on the planet with a smile on the face walking into cold water, apart from maybe Wim Hof. (laughs) But even he says he fucking hates the cold. And at the same time, I don't see anybody getting out of cold water with a sad face. At the same time, I don't see many happy faces walking in the gym, but I see lots of happy faces walking out. So one of the things I say to people when it comes to discipline is get used to that, that happy face that you see coming out and not going in. And what cold water enables you to do is build that discipline on a daily basis by doing something hard first thing in the morning. Mm-hmm. I get up and the last thing I want to do is that fucking thing. And the, this is the narrative that goes into my head. And this is, I call this the first voice. It's, Jay, you've got about 200 of the same ice bath videos on your phone. Just upload one to the stories. No one will know any different. And it'll be fine. <laughs> Second one, I'm a bit too busy today to, to do it. I don't need to do it. And this other. So that's the first one. And that is the voice that most people listen to. The second voice for me is, if you listen, you'll hear it. And it's like, Jay shut the fuck up and go to the gym. Or, Jay, shut the fuck up and get in that ice bath. 
That's the voice of discipline. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Okay, that first voice, everyone has it. And I say to people, look, I go through exactly the same thoughts as everybody else. I'm no different to anybody else. It's just I don't choose to listen to them. And the only way that you can get better at that is by practicing it every day. Because if you practice something every day, guess what? You get stronger. You, know, you don't walk into a gym, stick three plates on the, on the barbell and squat it. Okay, it break you. But if you practice and progress every day and it becomes stronger, it becomes easier to do. Habit, consistency. You do the hardest thing in the morning every single day, you've literally conditioned your brain to go, cool, we know what this feeling is like of not wanting to do stuff and we know that we need to do it anyway. Yeah. And anything else for the rest of the day that I'm procrastinating to do, I'm like, you jumped in a fucking ice bath at 6am mm-hmm. and you're struggling. Get, shut the fuck up and get yeah. it done. I love what you're saying about that because most people when they talk about ice bath benefits, they, they, they usually say the scientific or the... and and it's like yeah okay there's blood circulation there's loads of lower anxiety breathing everything but you've just gone into like yeah i mean state of fucking just get on yeah it's gonna improve the whole day it's gonna set you up 100 percent. someone could give me a research paper and go we've just done a 10-year meta-analysis on cold um therapy and we've come to the conclusion that it does fuck all for you right cool Mm. i'm still doing it tomorrow because who gives a fuck you know a lot of people want a paper once again, it's like, I want to see the benefits before I do it. And if you waited most of the time to see a benefit before doing stuff, it's just, too fucking yeah, late. keep waiting. Because yeah. a lot of the time, you know, there's been studies, like 20, 30-year studies that are only just coming out now to say, oh yeah, that stuff is really good. <laughs> there's just been a 20-year study for um, Alzheimer's that they, they did a study on cold water swimmers that it can, you know, reduce... There's a certain protein in the brain which can reduce the effects of Alzheimer's as you get older. Cold, cold protein shots, I think. Yeah, something yeah. like that. And it's just like, cool, that took 20 years to discover. So imagine if you're 20 years before, I'm just going to wait for that paper to come out before I start <laughs> cold water swimming. And then it's too right. fucking late. It's never going to happen, yeah. So this is why your own anecdotal evidence can be important because if it makes you feel better when you do it, keep fucking doing it. Exactly. You and you mentioned earlier about your that. brain, like, you know, tricking your brain. Your brain sometimes is, I, I, I'm a big believer, if you, if you tell your brain something's good for you, it's, it's probably good for you. Like, it's, yeah, it's something that's easy, yeah. easy to do, like, just to lounge yeah, and, and do nothing, has, like, long-term, you know, bad, negative side effects. Whereas something that's harder to do initially at the, at the beginning has then longer-term benefits. And, yeah. yeah. Yeah, hard things, easy life, easy things, hard life. Yeah. It's a simple kind of quote this I use all the time and uh, whenever I'm not doing stuff I'm, I always say well hard things easy life mm-hmm. and, it's, and it's great as well because if you think about everything that you've learned in your life it's not come from when it was easy you don't learn anything from a perfect week it's, it's usually you learn your best lessons when something goes fucking wrong yeah, yeah. the obstacle is the way yeah, yeah. and what? if you think about my, my breakdown in 2016 and people say what would you do differently I go nothing because I wouldn't be, I wouldn't understand the level that I did today had I not gone yeah. through it. Yeah. What? What? So what? If you could summarize, what sent you on this like journey to to want to, I suppose, help people? Because obviously, you could have easily, you know, you like I said, you've been in the army. You could have, you could have easily done something else. What? What was there? Was there a point that triggered you to went to? Did you think, okay, I've got a really good understanding of how I can help people, or did you just really want to help people, or did something happen? What? What? What sent you on it, or what started it? I think for me, it was a passion with sharing things that have helped me. Okay. So I'd find something and I'd instantly want to share it. And that's really, you know, and for me, when I started social media, I, I always used it as an accountability tool. So when I was first competing, 
back in sort of like, I think it was like 2014 when I started doing daily vlogs. The daily vlogs were for people, but they were for me. Mm-hmm. And I used to always prep myself for shows. So what I used to do is I used to do a, uh, a video on a Saturday breaking down my nutrition, my training and everything. And it's a self-assessment, but the fact that I have to check in with the internet to tell them what I'm doing meant I did it better. Mm. And actually to have a self-assessment to talk to others and take them through what it is that I'm doing gave me a better understanding of my own emotional things and what I was doing myself. Which if I was just wasn't doing it to an audience, it wouldn't be the same. It would have such an impact for self-analysis. Yeah, and this is what I find when it comes to learning. When you teach others, you learn at such a deeper level. Mm. If I say to you, right, here's that book, what I want you to do is teach the first chapter to those people next week. You will decipher that chapter, break it down in your own language so you better understand it so you can teach it better, which means that you're going to learn that chapter so much better than just reading that book. And this is like the good side of the internet. Do you know what I mean? Because you've got the bad side, you've got the negative vortexes on Twitter, you've got the terrible side of social media that we're all very aware of, but this is the positive side of social media. I would make these science videos and as much as everybody would say, well, why would you make a video unless it's for likes? That's kind of a simplistic way to do it. Would you really get in the ice bath? if nobody was watching because there's that level of accountability. But to underline my knowledge in, say, whatever I was trying to understand, some part of quantum computing or whatever it was, you can't lie on that video, right? Because everybody's then going to crucify it. You've got to be as truthful as you can and you've got to underline your knowledge as much as you can and go, you know, so I think this is the positive side of the internet that people don't so much see. It's It's a win-win though because they get the benefit of your knowledge and you get the benefit of having a deeper understanding of that subject. Yeah. So for me... Yeah, I've used it as accountability for my shows. I've done a lot of crazy charity events over the last few years. Um, and I never would have achieved, you know, achieved the things I'd done in them had I not told the internet that I was going to do them. There must be a yeah. reward system yeah. for that as well. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Matt, Matt always says that. Like, I'm, like, I'm like, you know, this, you know we do, we're doing a podcast. And I said, um, you know, Matt would say, James, look at what we've just done last week. Like, we were in the gym with the strongest man, with Eddie Hall, like the strongest man in the world for like two hours. Then we went and picked his son up from school. And you're sort of looking around and you're like, we're not filming it. We're just thinking, how cool is this? Seeing the interaction between him and his son and then, you know, meeting you today. It's just like, none of this would have happened. Like, unless, and some of the stuff that you've been saying today and Ash, it's like, it's unbelievable how it brings people together. So yeah. it's really good to look at the positive side of it as well. But then you rewind back then, James, and, and go think back to that conversation. We should start a podcast. It's hard for him to see it, which is why I batter him for it, because um, he's like, oh, you know, it's this, or that. And there's like, yeah, but look, look at four months down the line. Like, we could be going for food together in the next couple of months. We could be talking business. We, and I've done that with, with like loads of other guests. Like, yeah. you know, loads of things have come out of it. And it's like, but it's really so much about ourselves. Yeah. In the but it's really hard to see those, that sort of chain of, of reaction, if you'd call it, where like you just sit down with people and like even doing this now, it's, it's still quite. I think it's still quite brave, especially four men, you know, sitting down and having a chat. It's not, it's not like, it's still not the norm, I don't think. There's therapy in it. it, For me, social media is therapy. Like, if I need to figure something out, I will talk about it. And it's like, you know, a lot of therapy, it is about that. It's like, have you ever said something to somebody and you're trying to break it down and you go, that's what I figured out. And you figured it out because you've got it out of your head and mm. you talk about it. Yeah. And this comes down to another thing. I, I had an interview with a guy a couple of weeks back called Sahil Bloom. And it really helped with my communication with this. Simon Sinek calls it sitting in the mud. And what it, he talks about is being able to call someone 
to talk through something, but not need any help about it. You just need uh, to talk about it. I like it. And he had a great thing. He said, um, when his friends come to him now, he asks them whether they want help, whether they want to be hugged, or whether they want to be heard. Heard or hurt? Heard. heard. Ernest Hemingway said, a wise man has... Hurt thrifty. or heard? Heard. Heard. Heard, okay. As a thrifty tongue, because you would you basically listen. Okay. Yeah. And my, my issue... That's really good. Yeah, my issue with, yeah. yeah. My issue is that when people come to me with problems, I like to fix them. And then I always used to get pissed off because I used to give someone a solution to a problem, they wouldn't do it. And it wasn't their fault, it was my fault, because they didn't come to me to be fixed, they just came to be heard. Oh, yeah. Okay. They just wanted off. Like... Yeah, and some people just have a shit day, and they just need a hug. Mm. That's all they need. They just need someone to have a hug. Yeah. So it's actually understanding sometimes when your friend comes to you and go, cool, help, hug, or hurt. And they actually need to be hurt. And then they're just like, this fucking prick. <laughs> fucking, ooh, yeah. Ooh, ooh. yeah. And then it's like, yeah, what a prick. And then it's like, cool, should we go for a beer? Yeah. yeah. Done. Yeah. All right. The trouble with men is that they don't have somebody to help them to have to be heard or to fucking hug. Yeah. There's no outlet. There's, there's, yeah. But also, it's not the manly thing to firstly ask for help, which is bollocks. The strongest thing you can do is ask for help. To, to be hugged, you know. Yeah. Doesn't matter how fucking manly you are, we all need a hug from time to time. I feel like we're all going to have a hug after this. <laughs> you can't wait, can <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait. I guess you can't wait now. And I think the most important one is to be heard. Heard, right. Yeah. Okay. You know, because a lot of the problems that you have, they are little problems, but... What happens with a little problem when it stays in your head, it becomes a big problem. Yeah. Because you overthink yeah. and you mull on it yeah. and it gets bigger. And actually sometimes just releasing it. Yeah. And actually one of the th things that a lot of people don't have is somebody that they can talk without the feeling of being judged. Because yeah. right. that's once again very hard to find somebody who you can talk honestly and openly about a struggle that you're having without them thinking, oh, yeah, you know, gossiping to somebody else or yeah. having somebody else it, there. It goes both ways, right? Because to take advice from anyone, there's a saying, I can't remember what it was, but it says, be very careful who you take advice from, going back to what we were saying at the beginning. Because unless you respect that person and they've achieved, whether it's emotionally or intellectually or financially, they've achieved what you're looking at the advice from. Be careful, like, the, from the man you take advice from, right? And also I've noticed that all my friends, if I speak to them, I would used to go to them for advice and I trust them implicitly, some of these guys. But then those words are in your head and you've really got to just take it as their words because really internally, deep down, sort of intuitively, only you really know what the correct answer is. And mm -hmm. if you make an answer based on what the advice that they give you, you might sort of like hold a tiny bit of resentment against them saying, hold on, but should I have broken up? Should I have done this? Should I have taken that business move? It's really hard, isn't it, to know where... So ultimately, it's got to come back to your... Yeah, I disagree yeah, with that. Instincts. I disagree with that. I always listen to everything. Like, yeah. not, not, it doesn't mean I'm going to take it in and respond. Yeah, but you're, you've got a very good filter and you pretty much... You do listen to yourself at yeah, the end. that's what I'm yeah. saying. When, when yeah. It's the same as I compare to scripts. I love loads of people give me script, script advice, but if I listen to every single one, the script would be destroyed. Yeah, I think a good, a good mentor doesn't give you a map. It, he just points you in the right direction. Mm. Yeah. Okay. And I think I that's so that, yeah. I think that's so important because yeah. you don't want the route. You just you you'll find that yourself. You just want to make sure that you're sometimes in going the right, in the right direction. Yeah, the right now way. I mentor a lot of people and they're not they don't want the solution. They just want a lot of the time just the nod that they're doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. And that means I'm I'm doing this is yeah. Just a bit of acknowledgement. Just keep, just keep yeah. going. Yeah. And it's funny as well because it's so much like I'm pretty good with TikTok and Instagram, but every now and then 
when I'm unconscious and I'm not thinking, I'll scroll. And I'm, it, the algorithm's incredible, then I'm gone, right? I could be gone for a while. And, um, and I go like this, and it's obviously like listening. And, and what I find is the relationship thing, it would say, you know, it would be Steve Harvey, your girlfriend should never have a male friend, right? Because, and he'll say it really, you know, in a yeah, very smart way, impactful. why is your girlfriend going out with a guy? They're, they're, the guy's always, and it would just be all this stuff about, and literally, like, your girlfriend can't do anything right because every single, like, person that's speaking is saying something negative about Combative, yeah. The, yeah. yeah so you don't so you have all these voices and i think that's the point where you take this like creative break where you go right i'm not gonna listen to any of it but also one of the things that you said there is like some of the information that's put out there has been put out and the reason that it's come become viral and popular is not based on it being good it's based on attracting fear mm. so that steve interesting that steve harvey one that you said about um, you should never let your you know, girlfriend or wife have a male partner. That, yeah. is, that is projecting fears. Right. Which means that it's going to get a lot more engagement than actually productive yeah. advice yeah. about sorting yourself out. Yeah. And how do you so how do you channel that into your... Because you've got a program, right, that you run. It, it's, it's, I kind of want to say, well, it's, all, it's almost like you're running a therapy pro program. Do you, are you face-to-face like, -face with people like talking to them? And, and, or is it more of a... Broad, but it, how do you channel that into the to it, your... it's, it's allowing people to like I'm going to be going a lot deeper with individuals as I progress on but a lot of it is for me just um, pointing people in the right direction giving people the the space to know the right things to do to assess themselves and then time to kind of catch up every two weeks to discuss so right. if we go through the pyramids you know mental physical social self mental stress rest and discipline physicals, uh, nutrition, training, movement, socials, community, connection, and contribution, and then self-purpose prin uh, principles and mindfulness. I love that. Absolutely. You speak to so many people. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. all the time. Yeah, I love it, though. Like, yeah. why are you going to be exhausting something that gives, yeah, you true, yeah. that gives you energy? Yeah. You know, but also, I have the boundaries. I could talk about it all day, but once again... And you're learning something about yourself as well as... Oh, yeah, 100%. You know, giving something yeah. back. What I like about your, your, you know, the course and stuff you do is that you, it feels like people can just join for various reasons. They could be in a bad place, they could be in a good place and need a bit of motivation, they could be in a middle place. And yeah. it's just like, have, like you said, sometimes being heard. And having yeah, that, and I think it's, it's really important because you know some people are looking for weight loss, some people yeah. are looking to get back into some habits and routines. Yeah. Some people are just trying to figure out what the fuck they put, they've been put on the planet for. Yeah. And we just go through those stages and go, okay, where's your head at? Stress. You know, one, one of the things about stress is that people, you know, if I said, said to you, what words come? What three words come to mind when you hear the word stress? First word that comes up: depression, anxiety. Cool. Anxiety, yeah. Anxiety, adrenaline, cortisol. Cool. When I think of stress, I think um, energy. I think focus. I think clarity. I think direction. I think of all positive words yeah. because you know if you didn't have an element of stress, you wouldn't get up in the morning. So what yeah. we have to understand is that people have this fucked up view of stress. They've looked at it as something that needs to be avoided. And what, we, what I talk about is stress tolerance. You know, you get up in the morning going for a run, you're stressing your body. Mm -hmm. You get up and doing your ice bath, you're stressing your body. You're putting your body under stress. It's like, yeah. well, why would you do that? Because there is negative stress and positive stress. It's not the problem of stress being bad. It's too much stress. Mm -hmm. And the only reason there's too much stress is because you have been unable to deal with it. Yeah, if right. you build up your stress tolerance, yeah. your ability to deal with stress 
you become less stressed. Your body still needs levels of cortisol in your system yeah, because that's so true. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Even like if you look, if you if you if you take the term mental health, that kind of usually has a has a negative connotation to it. But if you change it to mental fitness, it means the same thing. Yeah. But it's just a, a positive thing. And what I you know I love what you just said about then with, with stress because. I wrote this down the other day. I'm going to post it at some point so you can all like it at some point. But um, it, was, it was basically the idea that, look, when, when I don't have a list of things to do and I don't have, I don't have stresses to think about, that's when like, the chaos really starts for me. That's yeah. when my mind like, is racing. That's when, like, that's when I feel like shit. So actually having those goals, those stresses, those achievements actually keeps everything going. Also, right like, from, a, from a male point of view as well, because um, you've obviously boxing... Um, I've just recently started jiu-jitsu and the people who have the most skills are the most chilled out people. And I had this kind of thought process that, you know, and I remember seeing a photo of, I think it was like Muhammad Ali and someone else at a nightclub having fun. And it, the quote was, you know, it's good. Um, something like, when you can smile and be confident when you can, when you know you could kick the fuck out of any person. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and it's this quote, which I always say with regards to building confidence, you know, like a lot of the stuff that I've done, the reason that I'm so chill when I don't get angry is it's better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener at war. And what that means is that, you know, like a, you know, a warrior in a garden, if it kicks off, he's a fucking warrior, let's go. Yeah. A gardener goes to war, he'll be like, fuck. Yeah. And the problem that men have these days and the problem that people have these days is they don't build up their own resilience and strength and their ability to kick the fuck out of someone but never needing to. Mm. Just the knowledge that they could and they could quite well and they've trained that skill enables them to be calm. I could, yeah, so agree. So many women are yeah. people around me, so like my, or my mum or my... My friend Claire, they're like, why do you train a lot of this, uh, the martial arts and the boxing? We do all, all this stuff. It does feel good to know that at any point, you know, when I'm walking home late at night or I'm with my girlfriend or my sister, just to know that you can protect them and protect yourself. Like, it's a really nice trait to have. Mm -hmm. As much as people say, you know, I could, yeah, I couldn't agree more. There's a video that popped up recently. It's obviously old and it's probably had a, a decent amount of circulation, but it's Muhammad Ali going in to fight George Foreman. Um, and everyone around him. I don't know if you've seen this. I've video. seen this. Yeah, they're all worried. Everyone, everyone around him are there like this. Like yeah. some of them, you can even see like their faces. They're yeah. like so nervous. And he goes, "Why are you all scared for? I'm the one that's got to go and fight him. Yeah. Yeah. What you need to be, you need to pick up this energy now because I'm the one that's got to go out there and get battered. Why, why are you scared? You know, I should be, you should all be happy. And you just like it's, that was just like such a. Sort of similar thing to what you're saying in that in that sense. Juxtaposition of yeah. But this comes back to this. This I said stress tolerance. Build it up. Like when we're doing the cold plunge in the morning, when it's fucking hard, we go into the rest of the day going. The rest of the day is not stressful. And when I started my business as a personal trainer, I'm like, well, no one's trying to blow me up or shoot. It's fucking easy. It's just push-ups for a living. Yeah, because you've been been perspective. You know, it's and it's building up that perspective. So. You know, for me, it's getting people to understand that, you know, where are their stresses? So we, have, we go through seven different types of stress and people go, oh, I'm really stressed at work. I'm like, cool. So what do you do about that? And they're like, oh, you know, I go home. Um, I, you know, eat my, you know, eat my stress and everything. I'm like, have you ever thought of addressing your stress in the place that, where it actually exists? Yeah. <laughs> because we don't think Basically, about that. We, think yeah. we get stressed at a certain place and then we go somewhere else to deal with it. <laughs> yeah. That's it's so like, well, hang on a minute. Right, what, what's stressing you at work? Oh, my... My, you know, my uh, work colleagues are 
fucking bell ends. I was like, cool. Have you told them that they're bell ends? Oh no, I couldn't tell them that. <laughs> Have you sat them down and said, you know, certain things? Because guess what? There's two. There are certain things that you can do. And actually, if you sat down with someone saying, look, you know, can we have a chat? I'm really struggling with this. You know, there's two things that are going to happen. You know, firstly, they might apologise and that. And secondly, you know, it might make you realise that you need to go somewhere else. Super true. So address where your stresses come from. If you don't know where the fuck they come from, there's many different There's work stress, there's relationship stress, there's financial stress. The thing is, identifying what it is and... You know, writing it down and knowing it's a problem is the first step to solving it or improving it and reducing down that stress. But somebody, when's the last time most people wrote things down? Mm. People rarely do it. And one of the reasons being, which I genuinely believe, is people are shit scared to read what's on that piece of paper. Yeah. Because as soon as it becomes out of the head and onto a piece of paper, means that you suddenly have to do two things. You either have to do it or you need to screw that paper up and put it back in your head. Yeah, do it or delete it. And a lot of people would rather ignore it than realise that their life isn't where they want it to be yeah. and they need to make some drastic changes now. And once again, it comes back to this quote, the pain of change is much less painful than the pain of staying the same. It's going to be fucking painful the next six months, 12 months, but guess what? When you start doing the things that you said you wanted to do and should be doing your life's going to get better. Mm -hmm. And you'll look back a year later and go, that was, a, that was painful, but it was the right decision. With everything that you do, your work, relationships, the place that you live, the lot. Jay, what's, what's next for you now? Good question. I'm still trying to figure that out. It's really interesting that, you know, I, in my early 30s, I had this vision of being financially free by 40, taking six months off to find myself and come back and I'm approaching 40 now and I might still haven't figured it out. Mm -hmm. Still don't know what this is. Don't know where it's going. Um, and I've allowed myself to relax and enjoy the ride. And It's nice you say that in confidence. Like yeah. you say you don't know I, where yeah, you are. In no that's that's really clear. nice. Yeah. I, honestly, like people... That's so good. People feel like they need to have... I haven't got a clue. If, if you take where we are, right? And I wrote the other day, like, you know, there's... Like, well, you're over 40, you should give them some advice. There's, uh, there's like volcanoes below us, you know, in the, center, the core of the earth, you know. There's like the infinite universe. Like you think we're spinning at 600,000 kilometers an hour around the sun. You, like it's, it's pretty much impossible. Nobody really understands what's going on. Yeah. So to say, oh yeah, I know everything is, is like, it was just impossible. Yeah, and I heard this, I, I say this quote and it said, you've got to, you know, just enjoy your 20s. Figure out what you're good at in your 30s. Right. Get paid for what you're good at in your 40s and okay. don't work much in your 50s. So I liked that. So yeah. I think in the next couple of years, I'll have really figured out what my thing is. Yeah. I'll earn shitloads of cash between 40 and 50 for it. And then yeah. me and the missus, the kids will be... Sail off into the sunset. Kids will be off and then we'll go and enjoy... That's so I've, great. I've yeah. gone a different really route nice. in my mind just to give you the like the, the, like this sort of more single. Although I'm, I've got a girlfriend you now. You keep getting madder as you're getting older. Yeah. No, <laughs> I thought like once the like I think it's kind of good to earn money, as you said, and I think it's there's, there's levels to how much money you can earn and levels to the life you can experience based on the more money you earn, and it is pretty incredible some of it, and the access you yeah. get is pretty incredible outside of the online stuff. But I thought, how can I be? like happy in my 50s, 60s, 70s. And my idea was to be using my brain because the physical body won't, hopefully it'd be, I mean, you look at Joe Rogan, Mike Tyson, these guys are yeah, fiddle, yeah. fiddle, right? But at some point, unfortunately, it would deteriorate, right? Dude, 
obviously we can use things like NMN and all these cool you know technologies to help age reversal age reversal might be a thing in 20 years but if it's not I thought sort of I've started doing my physics degree because I think sitting and learning like the way the universe works in my 60s 70s and 80s like my friend Lulu her granddad he runs the he owns the Wiseman Institute it's a big science thing he's 94 and all he does every day is just study these papers and that gives him his excitement so it's like whatever it is that's going to give you your excitement isn't it or your yeah, interest. and as I said about money, and you know, it's, it's having that freedom, you know, freedom to make decisions. You know, when when you have money problems, when you don't have enough of it, you don't have enough freedom. There's two things you can do: earn more money or want less things. And actually, if you want less things and earn less money, you get what you want much quicker. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So yeah. what an amazing, yeah, amazing podcast. That's a great. I, an hour and a half just gone. I didn't even know. Yeah. I mean, like, I, it's longer than an hour. Yeah, it's great. No, an hour and yeah. a half. Yeah, yeah. So it's a real like words of wisdom. I mean, I've really, I forgot what's going on here. I've really enjoyed that and and your words and your everything about you, man. Thanks very much. Right. I was almost in a trance with you. Yeah, yeah. Words. <laughs> yeah, I really was. Yeah. I was just listening intently and uh, I didn't have many questions because what you were saying, you were already ask, answering my questions before I was asking. Uh, I did so get 15 just... quotes in there as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you want to go on a date? I'm actually going to watch that back. Do you want to go myself? on a date with him yeah. and <laughs> you're going to have a little... We'll all be sitting here in a sauna in a week going, what the fuck we did? Mate, I'm not joking, right? I had an idea for a sauna podcast. And the reason why is because most people spend 10 to 15 minutes in a sauna. And also, like, I was like, if you could do an ice bath with someone in a sauna. Have you seen the podcast Hot Ones? Where they go through the hot... hot Oh, yes. The reason that I like that so much is because when somebody is in a vulnerable state, they open up. Yes. So when you're eating hot wings, but I think... Like you have a great conversation with somebody going in an ice bath because once again yeah. you're asking them questions. There, that. I think Kevin Hart then, does that with the ice. Yeah. yeah, but with the sauna, you're only going to be in there 10, 15 I mean, minutes. Yeah. It's going to be got short it. and sharp. Yeah, you're going to chat. You're going to get hot. Yeah, and then you're out. That's and so good. Just, I think you've got to get the camera right. I took my phone into a sauna the other day on the phone to you, and it was like burning up. So you'd have to find a way around well, there. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, that's a really that's actually a really good idea. I think it we should do business it. Also, the movement as well because yeah, yeah. when you're sort of stuck, but but moving uh, enables freedom of the body as well. Yeah, so it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank, thank you for having me. On. Oh, thanks, thanks, Ray. Hope you enjoyed it. Thanks a lot. Thank you.